Our first reading this morning comes from the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 23, verses 1 to 6. Hear the word of the Lord for us today. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel concerning the shepherds who shepherd my people, it is you who have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. So I will tend to you for your evil doings, says the Lord. Then I myself will gather the remnant of the flock out of the lands where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will raise up my shepherds over them who will shepherd them, and they shall not fear any longer or be dismayed, nor shall any be missing, says the Lord. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. Our New Testament reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 11 to 14. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. This is the word of the Lord. A woman named Entidar Aboud knows what it's like to feel scattered. She was born and raised in Iraq and worked as a school principal there. She lived with her husband, Hazim, who taught English. Hazim would say of their relationship, it was one of true love. More than that, it was true love and passion. Passion, he said, is that quality you can have for that one other special person, and he had it for her and she for him. The couple had three children who all lived together, one family in one home in the country of Iraq, and then the scattering began. Antidar's daughter, Zaina, moved to Lebanon and then to Indiana. Her other daughter, Lika, would eventually head to the U.S. as well. Her husband, Hazim, left Iraq for Jordan, hoping he would soon be able to return. And then in 2003, following the United States-led invasion of Iraq, Antidar lost her job. Antidar then began receiving threats not only for her prior government affiliation, but also for her religion. She was Sunni Muslim. A drive-by shooter with a machine gun opened fire on Entidar's house while her son was outside. They both survived but were terrified. Threatening messages were painted on their home and thrown through the window like, leave or you will die. The next year, she and her son fled to Jordan to join her husband, Hazim. Two years later, Hazim's refugee application to the United States was approved, and Hazim left for the U.S. 
in 2014, imagining Enditar would join him soon in Indiana. Their son, Mazen, immigrated to Australia, but Enditar remained stuck in Jordan with her refugee application denied. Three years after her husband had left, she was still stuck in Jordan, and by that time she had not seen her daughter in over 14 years, nor had she ever met Zena's children. In an interview at that time, Entidar said this, I live through my children, my grandchildren, and my husband. What's the point of life without them? Is there any meaning to life when you wake up in the morning and realize you're the only one in our home? It's a dreadful silence. I'm stuck between four walls, and everyone around me here in Jordan is just consumed with their own struggles. She can Skype with Hazim, but she says, you don't understand what it means to love someone from deep down. When I talk to him, I can't touch him or smell him. Our relationship is one of 38 years, and we're separated, and we don't know what to do. And so she says she prays, and she waits, and she does what she can. And Ditar's state, as she described that in 2017, is one of being scattered, scattered. As a result of larger economic and political forces, she's been led from her family, from her hometown, and from her home country. Her scattered situation, it seems to me, a scattered situation in our time, can give us just a glimpse of what it might have been like for the former residents of Judah as they knew what it was like to be scattered 2,600 years ago. The 2003 invasion of Iraq changed so much in that country. For residents of Judah, there was an invasion that radically changed life as they knew it. For residents of Judah in the northern, the northern kingdom of Israel had already fallen to larger imperial powers, but in 586, the southern kingdom, Judah, would fall as well, this time to Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar. Many residents of Judah in its capital, Jerusalem, were taken away to Babylon, which would be their new residence for generations. What brought about this calamity? At least one reason the prophet Jeremiah cites is bad shepherds, bad shepherds. A shepherd in ancient times was often a term used to describe a king, for a king like a shepherd had guardianship or was meant to look over a particular flock or group of people. And bad kings made the sheep suffer, oppressed them economically, and preyed on the poor and vulnerable, making them suffer. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord, we read in today's passage from Jeremiah. It is you who have scattered my flock and have driven them away. Well, one such king of Judah was Jehoiakim. Jeremiah famously denounced Jehoiakim for his selfishness, his materialism, and his failure to promote social justice. Now, I know it's well-nigh impossible to imagine that a leader in the world could be known for their selfishness, their materialism, and their failure to promote social justice. But just try to imagine a far-off time and place where that was the case. And believe it or not, this happened under a king named Jehoiakim. And then God, through the prophet Jeremiah, excoriates him for leaving the sheep scattered. 
In his famous temple sermon, Jeremiah warned all the people of God if they failed to practice justice and obey God's law and covenant, if they relied on the temple for security and not on faithfulness to God's way, the temple would be destroyed. And so it was in 586 BCE as Babylon invaded. And then former residents of Judah sat far from home like Entidar sitting in Jordan and wondering, where's my home? Where is my family? Where's my community? Where is God? Have you ever asked those questions yourself? Now, mind you, your situation might not be as stark or as dire as it appeared for Entidar in 2017 or for exiled Judeans back 2,600 years ago. But it seems to me many of us can still know this experience of feeling scattered, of feeling within four walls and alone, like we are scattered from a place we might have once known as home. Many of us are part of an extended family that's literally scattered. In my case, my parents are down in San Diego. My brother is up in the Bay Area together with his family. My sister and their family is off in Boulder, Colorado. On Jill's side of the family, her parents are off in Athens, Georgia, and her brother lives in Colorado Springs. We have cousins and an aunt who live in Kansas City. We are scattered. Literally. And as far as our ancestral home, as far as my ancestral home, one branch of my family tree, just one, goes back to Ireland in a scattering that took place there. Back during the Great Potato Famine in the 1840s, a fellow named Edward Caldwell left his home country, forced to do so or starve during that Great potato famine. He traveled from Fermanagh County, Ireland to Ontario, Canada, and then his grandson, John General Caldwell, would travel down from Canada to Flint, Michigan to work on the Buick assembly line. His grandson was my father, Cliff Caldwell, is my father, who moved from Flint to San Diego. And that's just one branch of a family tree full of migration. Start digging into your own story, your family stories, and you will find it. Migration, movement, a sense of being scattered. Scattering. It speaks not simply to our geography and our families. It speaks to our minds and hearts today, it seems to me. You can imagine Ntidar's attention and heart constantly pulled between where she is there in Jordan to her home in Iraq and then off to where her husband and kids were in Indiana, pulled in multiple directions at once. Or imagine the residents of Judah during the time, the former residents of Judah during the time of Babylonian captivity, where their hearts and minds would drift to this new neighborhood and the new people they were getting to know, and then back to the place they knew in Jerusalem and Judah and the neighborhoods there. And today, it seems like with the internet and the digital uh, tools that we have, our attention and mind and heart can be pulled all over the world. Let me give you one example. Last Friday, I opened my inbox in the morning, you know, 8.30 a.m., and I read of a missionary in Malawi, Rochelle Holmes, who attended this church for a time. She alerted me. Her husband, who guests preached here, 
crashed on a bicycle and is now getting medical care in Johannesburg, South Africa. Another email is from an outfit in Dallas, Texas, telling me how I can grow my church. I mark that as junk. I saw another email from Sean Whiting, and it brought back all these memories of our time this past summer in India working with Covenant Children's Homes. I saw another email from a church member at a church I served out in Greenwich, Connecticut for nearly six years. He let me know he was in town for this weekend and wanted to know if I am free for lunch. Lou, are you here this morning? I guess he didn't make it. He's helping his daughter move. But it was nice to have lunch with him, and it brought to mind people out in Connecticut like him and his family, to, who, to which I still have great affection. I see another email for the Presbytery of the Pacific alerting me to a campaign to write letters to the inmates at Adelanto. That brings my mind and heart to that immigrant detention center where Josh Marmol and I went to support Irma as she stood before a judge seeking asylum. I look at my phone. And there's a text from Marianne Mai Thompson, who's just passing by La Jolla and thinking of me. Then there's another text from my brother, who's going to see a concert up in the Bay Area. Then there's a text from my mechanic off in Covina. I worked with this guy for a while in El Monte. We were colleagues as mechanics. He lets me know my car is fixed, and that immediately brings my mind not only to Covina, but over to El Monte and the people and that place. Then I look at the news on my phone, and that pulls my mind and heart to the Ukraine, to Russia, to China, and then to Washington, D.C. Now, all these people and places speak to my heart, but interacting with all of them in one day, it can leave me feeling, well, scattered. Do you know what I mean? Do you ever feel like that, where your attention, your heart and mind is pulled to places all over, not just the San Gabriel Valley region, but all over the world? And you ask yourself, where's home? Where's community? Where's family? Where is God when things seem so scattered sometimes? Well, to a scattered people long ago, God offered these words through the mouth of the prophet Jeremiah, I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the lands where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they will be fruitful and multiply. That is, they will flourish, they will thrive there. This is one of so many passages of Scripture that speak of God as a shepherd who gathers the scattered. Look at Genesis 48, Ezekiel 34, Isaiah 40, Amos 3, or so many of the Psalms and other texts. It's one of the most prominent images of God throughout the Bible, God as a good shepherd who gathers the scattered. It's a portrait of God worth savoring. Of all those who've tried to depict shepherds, I think my favorite in terms of painters is Anton Mauve. He's a Dutch painter from the 19th century who's especially famous for his portraits of shepherds. Here's one that imagines the sheep gathered in a forest area with the shepherd watching over them in a peaceful forest. Gives a picture, doesn't it, of what God is like walking with us, watching over us. Here's a mauve painting where the shepherd is a little girl. I love that. 
Here's another painting where the shepherdess is leading the sheep from behind. It's one of the many portraits of a shepherd leading and guiding the sheep in a particular direction. Here, the shepherd leads from the front. And here, a shepherd is walking with the sheep along a road, and you can already tell the shepherd must be mindful of those over to the side, or they might get lost. A shepherd's job is to be especially mindful of the vulnerable, of those who are alone or might be drifting away lest they be hurt. Then there is this painting, one of Mauve's last, of a shepherd bringing the sheep back to the sheepfold. It's so ordinary and earthy, you know? It's even got this puddle in front of it. It feels real, and yet it's beautiful, too, speaking to something we all long for, to be gathered in a place like home, led by a good shepherd. God is just such a shepherd figure. We read throughout the Hebrew Scriptures entering our ordinary lives and gathering us, centering us. And God cannot countenance bad shepherds like King Jehoiakim or leaders that abandoned God's justice and seek instead their own wealth and power, we read again and again in the Bible. So God is portrayed as bringing down bad shepherds and ultimately being that shepherd we long for, gathering the flock together. In verse 5 of today's Jeremiah passage, we glimpse how God would one day step in in a new way to gather the scattered. We read of how God would one day raise up a new shepherd like King David of old, one who would execute justice in the land, who would save Judah and allow Israel to live in safety. Then in John's gospel, we read of how just such a good shepherd came to us in Christ. He was, we read, a shepherd who would not run away in times of danger, but would care for the sheep through thick and then we even read in John how this shepherd would lay down his life for the sheep. I've never heard of a shepherd doing that. And if you think about that image, a shepherd laying down their life for the sheep, on one hand, you might think that's a bad move for the shepherd because it will leave the sheep vulnerable, right? But if you read on in John chapter 10, Jesus describes himself as laying down his life for the sheep, but also having the power to lift it up again. And it's portrayed in John's gospel as the ultimate act of love, the greatest act anyone can show, laying down one's life for one's friends. And Jesus does that, we read, for his friends, for his followers, for us, and with the power to raise his life up again. It also means that Jesus won't leave the sheep without a shepherd, but instead gives his life out of love and then rises again that they might know the companionship of a shepherd through all the days yet to come. Speaks, of course, to Christ's death and resurrection as we believe that in that dying and rising, Jesus made a scattered people, one in him, one flock, under one shepherd, one body under one head, one citizenry under one good king. And that king renders all earthly kings subject to the one who reigns over all and who holds the shepherds of this world accountable. For when they fail to protect the weak, the vulnerable, and the poor, there is a power over them. 
God gathers the scattered. We see it throughout the Hebrew Scriptures, and we see it in Christ. God gathers the scattered. We glimpse it each Sunday in worship here in this space. We come from our different places to sit together and know the care of the Good Shepherd. We remember here we are not alone, but part of a sheepfold gathered together by the God we know in Christ. We may not be able to know in full the Spirit-filled community. We will know one day. The Bible presents God's work of gathering the scattered is accomplished in Christ, but not fully realized until He comes again. And yet, we glimpse that promised future. We get a taste of it as we look around at one another, as we look at the cross, as we look at the depiction of the Good Shepherd carved in our doors. We remember we have a home, we have a community, we have a family in Christ, and it gives us a picture of that great community we will know in full on a day yet to come. Sitting alone in her house in Jordan two years ago, Entidar dreamed of a day she would know family and home in full. She could only glimpse it in part in 2017 there in the Jordan, seeing her husband on Skype but not able to touch him or smell him, seeing her daughter and grandchildren but not being able to see or touch them firsthand. And then she learned there would be a promise of her being granted refugee status and being able to come to the U.S., but then a setback. She learned of the ban under the Trump administration that included countries like her home country of Iraq. But then right around this time of year, November 2017, she was informed that her travel to the United States had been approved. And a few plane flights later, she landed in Indiana. She met her granddaughters for the first time. She saw her daughter, Zaina, for the first time in 15 years. And she was reunited with her husband, Hazim, her true love. They'd been married at that time for 38 years. The family had been sponsored in their resettlement by two Catholic congregations and by Catholic charities. Though the family was Muslim, a group of Christians cared about this family's reunification. What a powerful statement those congregations made about the good shepherd we worship. And in their reunification, what a powerful glimpse we get of that gathering, that family reunion, that coming home. We believe we will one day know in full in Christ. So, friends, receive and cherish the gift that has been given to you already that you have and hold. God has gathered the scattered, uniting us to God and one another in Christ. We have community, family, home, a glimpse of that great gathering we will one day know in full. So, especially when the road gets rough or feels especially dangerous or gets lonely, Remember what has been given you, what you have today. Remember it before you start your day, before you even look at that inbox. Take a moment to pause and reflect, remembering the one who has gathered the scattered, who is with you, who holds you, who leads you through all the decisions you have to make that particular day, guiding you according to justice, love, and mercy. Know 
that you are not finally scattered. You have been gathered. Thanks be to God, and thanks be to His Son, Jesus Christ. Let us crown Him, friends, for He is Lord of all. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, amen.